Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. One of the words we find in the Bible a lot is the word blessing or the word blessed. And it's repeated over and over in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And it's something that most of us desire, but we often don't know the route to it or the road to it or the principles needed to bring it into our lives. The word blessed in the scriptures means this, and this is what the Bible commentators say. They say happy, fortunate, favored, usually associated with the material. I don't know about you, but I certainly want to be happy, fortunate, blessed, favored, and I want God indeed to bless me materially so I can meet my needs and I can meet the needs of others. Well, in scripture, there's some principles that clearly teach us how to live a blessed life. And I wanna speak to you today on three keys to a blessed life. Three keys to a blessed life. And we're gonna go to a passage of scripture that is incredibly well-known, simple, but very clear on how blessing comes into our lives. Psalm 1 and verse 1, and it's an unknown author, just six verses, speaking about two types of people and two outcomes in life, and it paints a simple picture that life is not chance or luck, but there's a certain route to blessing or a certain route to destruction. Let's read from Psalm 1 and verse 1, and I'm reading from the New International Version. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Notice those people, wicked, sinners, mockers, different categories of people. It says, But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. What a wonderful passage. It goes on to say here, not so the wicked. Here's the contrast. They are like chaff, completely different to a tree that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. How encouraging is that? But the way of the wicked leads to destruction. The NLT says to doom. So the first word in there, blessed. The last word, destruction. And two ways of life painted here. And uh, the word blessed actually is in the plural. It means most blessed is the person who applies certain principles here, follows God's way. The outcome of their life is most, most blessed. And you know, this passage of scripture is interesting because it talks about two kinds of people. And when we think of people in the world, we think of so many different kinds of people. You know, we're each unique. We each have our different perspectives, our different cultures. We come from different backgrounds and families and races. But the Bible here narrows it down that there are only two categories of people. And here's the thing, we like to be the exception in, in my way of thinking, my category, the way I was brought up, my preferences, but God says, no, there's just two kinds of people, it's that simple, and one group is blessed, the other isn't. So let's look at these three triplets, if you like, and they are the three keys to a blessed life. Number one, the power of dedication and separation is spoken of as a key to a blessed life. The person who is blessed 
is dedicated and separated. There's certain things they don't do, certain people they don't mix with, certain uh, cultural things that they don't absorb, and that's why they're blessed, because they're dedicated to God and they are separated to God. So here you can see that blessing is associated very directly with the people you mix with and the people you associate with. Napoleon Hill made this comment, and I don't often quote him, but he said some very uh, profound things. And he says, without doubt, the most common weakness of all human beings is the habit of leaving their minds open to negative influence of other people. Are you aware of the people around you? Because in this psalm, it talks about the progression of spending time with certain groups of people. He says here that there, if you walk in step with the wicked, or you stand, so first you're in motion, then you stand in the way that sinners take, or you sit in the seat of mockers. Can you see you, you're walking, then you're standing, then you're sitting. He says you've got to be careful because if you're alongside people and you keep in step with them, you start to pick up their thinking. Eventually you start to stand with them and associate with them. Eventually you're sitting in their company. Actually, the King James uses the word the council of mockers. In other words, the advice, the way of life, the worldview that they embrace is what you start to embrace and that steals your blessing. That's what he's saying. He's saying if you don't associate with them, then blessing comes into your life because your worldview and your perspective is healthy. In our lockdown situation all across the world and at varying degrees, we find that we might not be meeting with people specifically, but on social media, we're picking up the social commentators, we're picking up the news, we're picking up the opinions of people, and we are sometimes embracing that which comes from sinners and mockers. Mockers are people who actually oppose, actively put down the word of God and the will of God and the values of God. And often what happens is these commentators or these uh, posts that you read, they come across as righteous and Christians readily embrace them and it leads to frustration, it leads to anger and it doesn't lead to a healthy spiritual life and it doesn't lead to blessing. So extremely important for us to be careful and to make sure that we're dedicated to God and then separated it's important to ask if your companions or your friends or the people you follow on all these different posts, are they building up your spiritual life? Are, 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 they, are they encouraging you to get closer to God or are they drawing you further away? Are they increasing your dedication or are they distracting you from committing your life fully to the Lord? You see, most people say this. They say to me, they are not influencing me. I'm influencing them. But I beg to differ. Paul writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33 says this. He says, do not be deceived. In other words, you can deceive yourself. He says, bad company ruins good morals. Solomon in Proverbs chapter 13 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. You see, many in the church today have been brainwashed by the information media Polls show that Christians and non-Christians, the church and the unchurched, differ very little in their opinion about politics and about life in general. Now, people will say to me, oh, Jesus was not separated. He hung out with tax collectors and sinners. Yes, 
but he hung out with them with the express intention and goal of reaching them and changing them. They never changed him. And when you study scripture, probably one of the most classic passages would be Zacchaeus, the tax collector in Luke 19. Jesus spent time with him, ate with him, but when Jesus left, Zacchaeus was completely transformed. That actually very seldom happens to us unless we are very intentional about witnessing and reaching people. But when we start to read social media posts, follow news posts that are generated by sinners and mockers and those who don't know God, the blessing retreats out of our lives and what instead comes, and I've seen it, Christians and unchristians are, are the same. I see people's social media posts, they have the same anger, frustration, annoyance, and, and bad attitudes and post nasty things and the blessing of God moves out of their lives because they are no longer dedicated and separated but they've become just like the world and they've been captured by what the common opinion is on uh, television. I have found that the key issue facing us today is that some Christians have exactly the same views as non-Christians. If your views are exactly the same as non-Christians, you've got to ask yourself some serious questions, especially if you want to be blessed. Smith Wigglesworth, who I love to quote, and you need to read his books, fantastic man of faith. He says this about Christians and non-Christians. He says, the reason the world is not seeing Jesus is that Christian people are not filled with Jesus. In other words, they're not dedicated and separated. They are satisfied with attending weekly meetings, reading the Bible occasionally, and praying sometimes. He says, it is an awful thing for me to see people who profess Christianity or Christians lifeless, powerless, and in a place where their lives are so parallel to unbelievers' lives that it is difficult to tell which place they are in, whether in the flesh or in the spirit. You see, no separation means no distinction and no separation no distinction no dedication means no blessing but the fruit that comes from that is doom destruction and negativity and I believe the direction and quality of a Christian's life is directly related to the level of dedication and their level of separation the more you spend time with the world the more you allow their value system to soak your life from early in the morning when you switch your phone on the more it's going to get into your life I was reading an interesting poem, and it uh, is by an unknown author, but it illustrates the point very clearly about influence in our lives. And it says, all the water in the world, however hard it tried, could never sink a ship unless it got inside. And then he says, all the temptations of the world might wear you pretty thin, but they won't hurt you one least bit unless you let them in. So what we allow in through our filter, through our mind, who we spend time with, who we walk with, who we stand with, who we sit with, if, if we're not totally dedicated to the Lord and separated from those influences, the blessing of God can't easily come into our lives. And I come to the second principle that he talks about here. Number two, the power of meditation and saturation. And he says here in this Psalm, that in verse two, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. Notice it doesn't say whose duty is the law. It doesn't say who studies the law. It talks about meditation and saturation day 
and night. Not an occasional glimpse at a scripture or a clip off YouTube or a pastor here or a pastor there. No, it's about delighting in the house, delighting in the word, day and night being, being saturated because you're meditating. Now suddenly there's a whole different dynamic. Fruit begins to be produced and blessing begins to be produced in our lives. And I love this because it talks about day and night. You know, most Christians are reading the Bible here and there and then looking for loopholes. This person is delighting. And the word delight means to be happy and to get your satisfaction from it. And it's, that's the kind of person that God blesses, the one who delights. Uh, remember the psalmist writes here in Psalm 37, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of of your heart. So when you delight in what God delights in, when you are separated, when you are dedicated, when you start meditating and then you're saturated, that's when the blessing of God comes and that's when God delights to give you so much in your life. And um, we, need to, we need to measure how much time we're spending in the Word and how much time we're spending on social media. There are apps that tell you how long you're watching and uh, watching your screen and how long you're on social media or on Facebook and so on. How much time do we spend in the Word? Yet we want the blessing of God. I think here is the key. We need to meditate. And, and, and when we think of meditation, a lot of people get it wrong. They think of Eastern meditation, where you sit quietly cross-legged and you empty your mind. No, biblical meditation is very different. And the definition of biblical meditation is this. The act of focusing one's thoughts to ponder, think on, muse, reflective thinking or contemplation usually on a specific subject to discern its meaning or significance. So we spend our time thinking about God, his values, his way. We don't look for loopholes. We delight ourselves in it. We try and understand it. We, we spend a long time thinking about it. Then it gets absorbed into our lives. We become saturated by it. And then blessing begins to flow into our lives. It's repeated so many times in the Psalms, the principle of meditation, biblical meditation. Let me remind you of Psalm 143 and verse five. The Psalmist says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy doings. I muse on the work of thy hands. Notice he doesn't say, I remember all the things you've told me not to do, all the do's and don'ts. No, he says your doings, how you work and how you think and how you act. And then he says, I muse on the work of thy hands. I think about creation. And so I meditate and I become saturated with how you are, who you are, how you work, how you act, what you've done in the world. Suddenly my whole perspective is changed and I'm blessed and fruit comes out of my life. It's a completely different way of life. It's not law keeping or church going or seeing what I can get away with, but I now begin to live an entire life that starts to be blessed and it, and it, and it starts to flourish. Smith Wigglesworth, again, on speaking about reading the Bible, describes how we should do it. And most of us are looking for quick promises or a quick verse for a quick injection for the day, but he describes something different and we're getting further and further away from this in our culture. And that's why people are so stressed, they're depressed. It's because they're not saturated with the word because they've not been meditating. He says, fill your head and your heart with scriptures. Memorize passages from the word with the name of the book, the chapter and the verse so that you can quote the scripture correctly. As you do this, you are sowing in your hearts seeds which the spirit of God can germinate. 
he can bring to your remembrance from time to time that which you have once memorized. Now notice this. You must be so soaked with the word of God, you must be filled with it so that you yourself are a living epistle known and read of all men. You know, so few Christians are filled with God's word and you say, well, how do you know that? When you meditate on media, when you meditate on the news, on all the social media campaigns and, and protests and all the things that are going on in the world, your mind gets saturated with that and the fruit of it is not good. It's anger, it's aggression, it's nastiness, it's taking snipes and then coating it in Christian language, but you're thinking just like the world and you're not enjoying the peace and the blessing of God. I find myself from time to time, if I'm not careful, if I get too much of that in I can feel it's like my fruit starts to wither. It's like I've got this fruit in my life and then suddenly it starts to become dried fruit and then I have to get back and go, hang on, I've got to balance these things out because if I don't, it starts to affect the entire way I think and feel and the way I live my life. I read a wonderful book by John Eldridge. He's written some very good books. And the title of the book is Get Your Life Back. And I was, I was curious about the title, so I read the book. And in the book, he says this about social media, very interestingly. He says, I don't think we realize how much our use of technology and its assault on our attention has made this difficult to do. In other words, to concentrate and to, to just be calm and think. He says, you can't give God your attention when your attention is constantly being targeted and taken captive and you're cooperating. He goes on to say, mobile blindness, talking about our phones, the quick pass, the inability to linger and dig deep. It's just the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Our precious attention has been groomed and taken hostage. You know, sometimes you don't even realize it, but slowly, slowly your life is being infected. You're losing your dedication. You're losing your separation. You're stopping your meditation. And no longer is there a saturation in your life. And you're starting to think like everyone else. A verse that jumped out at me again, just afresh as I was reading it, is James chapter 1 and verse 27. And most of us know the first part of it, but we forget the second part of the verse. Particularly with all the social justice movements in the world, we kind of go, yes, yes, but we neglect the second part of this verse. Let's read it. He says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Very good. But then he says this, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It's so easy to be taken captive by news anchors and by opinions. There's such a proliferation of it and on social media posts that you don't even realize you're being polluted. But when you're polluted, the blessing of God doesn't flow in your life and your thinking doesn't prosper and your life ends up just like everyone else, harassed, angry, bitter, and unhappy. And that's not how God wants us to live. Now, before I finish off on this point, Paul writing to Timothy, he talks about how important it is for Timothy in the ministry, and this is good for pastors and leaders, good for those involved in volunteer ministries. It's so important to see how, how meditation and, and, and saturation is incredibly important if you're going to have a very fruitful life and ministry. And Paul writing here on the responsibilities of ministry, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15, the New Living Translation, he says this, he says, give your complete attention 
to these matters. In other words, if you're going to be in the ministry, don't just do it as a part-time thing. Immerse yourself in it. And he says, throw yourself into your task. So the dedication, separation, meditation, saturation. I love what the uh, New King James says of the same verse. It says, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. Can you see? It's got to be a dedication and a saturation and a meditation. And he, and he says that your progress might be evident to all. The word there, meditate, meliteo, is the word to dwell upon, to, to really immerse yourself in. And then he says this, he says, everyone will see your progress. Your life will have a flourishing about it that other people's lives don't have because there's dedication, separation, meditation, and saturation. Keys to a blessed life. And you know, otherwise, all we've got is surface information, surface knowledge, worldly knowledge, and, uh, and, and we've got to be careful that when we're dealing with the media, and I'm, I'm amazed how people think they're so informed about abortion and all the big issues in the world, but they're getting all the information from the news media. And I read something funny. He's quite a character, Albert Hubbard. He was a, an American writer, and he said this. He said the definition of an editor, speaking of it, obviously magazines, but the same goes for television. He says, it's a person employed by a newspaper whose business it is to separate the wheat from the chaff and to see that the chaff is printed. We need to be incredibly discerning, and the only way is to meditate and to be saturated. So we've looked at two. Let's look at the third, the power of planting and flourishing. And I love that the Bible here describes us blessed people as a tree that's planted uh, by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. It's, it's healthy and it's, it's flourishing. And whatever they do prospers. Now, when we read the word prospers, immediately you think money. No, no, prospering in life is much more than money. It's the well-being of an entire life, our thinking, our bodies, our finances. Everything in our lives takes on a different quality when there's separation, when there's dedication, when there's meditation, when there's saturation, and then there's planting, then there's a flourishing that takes place and we end up blessed. Six simple verses here that speak about the profoundness of life. I uh, have followed a commentator, he passed away last year, has written over 50 books, I've read a great deal of them, a man called Warren Wearsby. And uh, he said this before he passed away, he said, you don't need godly character these days to be a success in making money. Many Hollywood celebrities, dishonest businessmen, and deceptive politicians have proved that. But if you're concerned with making a life, you must major on building godly character. And so here, when we're planted in God and we're flourishing in him, we produce the fruit of his thinking, his doings, because we've meditated and we're saturated and we're aligned with him. And suddenly there's a flow and it's not unhappiness and bitterness that's coming out of our lives. And there's a distinction between us and the world. It's time for the church to get back to that distinction where people look and they go, there's a difference. Why is there a difference? Not just a difference in belief. We're not just fanatical about certain truths. No, there's a, there's a flourishing that comes because there's been a planting, but it all started with dedication, separation, meditation, and saturation. And I love what the psalm ends with here. It describes as we wrap up today. In verse four, it says, not so the wicked. They are like chaff, the wind 
blows away. They're easily moved, easily shaken. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. You know, when the Bible speaks about Christians and unchristians, it talks about wheat and chaff. And if you've ever looked at wheat, wheat has got substance, but surrounding the wheat is chaff. It's, it's what encases the wheat. It's the shell of the wheat. And often when you look at a person's life, you're seeing the shell. You're not actually seeing the substance. And, and if you remove the chaff from the wheat, there's actually very little left. It's flaky and it's unsubstantial. It's, it's, you just whoosh, blow it. In fact, they used to throw it in the air when they wanted to clear the chaff. They'd throw it in there and the light breeze would take the chaff away, but the substantial wheat would fall to the ground. And that's what the Bible describes us as. We're substantial in God because we've separated, we're we, we dedicated, we, we're meditated and we're saturated. Now we're planted and we're flourishing and so there's substance to our lives. But be careful you don't look at people's lives who look like they've got substance, but it's just the shell. It's an image. It's a pretense, but they're not really blessed. I want to close by telling you a story and uh, then we'll pray. Uh, about a couple in our church some years ago, many, many years ago, I was pastoring a church. And there was a young family in the church in their early 30s, lovely family, had two small children. And she suddenly got ill. And a devoted, dedicated to the house, very committed person, was in church every Sunday morning uh, and never, never missed a service. You know, you could, you, you could always look out for her. If, if she wasn't there, you'd be like, oh gosh, I wonder what's happened to her. And uh, she got ill. And the doctors put her in ICU and I was called and I went to visit. And those days I used to visit everybody. I was able to do that. And I went into the ward and they said she's got a virus. And they didn't know what the virus was. This is more than 30 years ago. And uh, they diagnosed her with this illness. They tried to treat her. Her breathing got worse and worse and worse. And eventually after three days, she passed away. I mean, it was a shock to all of us. Shock to her husband. Now, her husband wasn't a Christian. And he... He was, he, he was this upbeat sales type guy, you know, happy-go-lucky, Mr. Positive, you know, things will work out. In other words, I don't need God. I'm upbeat in life, and you weak Christians, you need God. And uh, his personality was such that he kind of pulled it off. But I tried to visit him and see him every now and again, and I noticed there was a deterioration in his life. Eventually, because of the loss of his wife, his attitude deteriorated, he started to become negative, he started to become depressed, and his personality couldn't help him because there was no substance there. He didn't really have a blessed life. He had a positive attitude, but a blessed life is completely different. Well, one Saturday morning, while sitting with his two children in the kitchen, he got up and left them alone and went out into the garden, took his pistol and shot himself on the lawn, leaving his two children alone in the house. It was a double tragedy that took place in the space, I think it was, of just 12 months. And you know what that story illustrates? It illustrates that you can be blessed and you may have hardship and you may even die. Or you can just be a shell, chaff, and you can pull it off as though you're blessed. But actually, the end is destruction. The psalm starts, the first word, blessed. The last word, destruction. And there are only two categories of people. I today want to make sure that you know that you're in that category that's blessed. Why? Because there's dedication to God. Separation from the world, from mockers and sinners, and from those who don't think like God. And then meditation on the words. Not performance, it's just saturation and meditation. And then you're planted in him and you're flourishing in every dimension of your life. So really a blessed life is about choices. It's not about chance. 
It's about choice. We choose which way we're going to go. Are we going to go God's way? Then we start to flourish and we flourish and we flourish and we're planted and fruit just naturally is produced. There's no effort. Or we go our own way and there's just chaff. And when pressure comes, we're gone. We don't stand. And today as a Christian, I want to really encourage you, make a fresh commitment that you're going to be dedicated, separated. You're going to meditate on the word, be saturated with it, be planted in the house of God, even if services aren't happening uh, all the time in person as things change across the world, and that you're going to be flourishing because you've made that commitment to Christ. If you don't know the Lord today, you've never invited him into your life, you might have a lot of wonderful qualities. You might be a very positive person. You might read positive books and you know, you, you've got a personality that you've kind of shaped. But you know the end result is you'll be blown away because you're not planted, you're not flourishing, you're not separated and you're not meditating and you're not filled with God's truth and God's word and God's presence and God's son himself. If you'd like to make a commitment to Jesus today and ask God to saturate your life with the Son of God who wants to come into your life and change your thinking, change your destination, change your destiny, then pray this prayer with me right now. Father, I come to you today and acknowledge that I need you in my life. I separate myself unto you, Lord, and dedicate myself to you that I might meditate on your word, on your truth, and that I might have Jesus Christ come into my life Forgive me for my sin and plant my life in God that I might flourish. Lord, save me today. Make me your own and make me a child of God. I commit to follow you and to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.